All right. So, uh, yeah, we get to talk about a fun topic tonight. Uh, my name is Robert Green. This is my lovely wife of 34 years, Linda Sue. Hey. Hey, now. Reputation precedes her. So we're empty nesters of uh, two boys. Um, in this picture up here, we just uh, got through flying a couple of hawks at a, uh, a castle over in Ireland. Our boys were on a backpacking trip for a year. They went to like 30 countries, and we got to go see them in Ireland. So it was a lot of fun. So we got married on St. Patrick's Day. My favorite things about that was changing my last name to Green. So in 1984, I'm sure you're wondering, who is this guy that she married? And if you've ever seen a Seinfeld episode, you know, George Costanza, you know, he says, hey, this is the remnants of a once proud civilization. So look, I'm smiling really big in this picture. And as every guy in here knows, the reason I'm smiling big is because the honeymoon night is upon us. Um, But the start of um, my married sex life would immediately hit a speed bump. So uh, we got to Maui. We headed down to the pool, and I put oil on like I'd done all my life. Um, But this time, um, things were different. The sun evidently is different in Maui, which I did not know. And um, what normally would have been a great tan turned into a massive, major sunburn. Yeah, she looked like this. And so I had to rub aloe vera all over her body, um, but I could not touch her, okay, if you know what I mean. Um, Now, after her fever broke, we had a great time, but that took several days. So, um, you know, our only claims to fame, uh, I mean, I'm a graduate of the Fighting Texas Aggie class of 1982. Uh, Hey. And, uh, And, hey, for four years, Linda held the career free throw percentage record at the University of Louisiana at Monroe. So she's a minor celebrity, y'all. So um, it's our privilege here at Watermark to work with a lot of couples here in our marriage ministry. And one thing that we're seeing more and more is couples that are struggling um, in the area of physical intimacy. So we know this can be an area of significant pain um, with couples, but we want you to hear tonight that you can find healing. And so for the first part of our talk tonight, we want to talk about a very specific scenario, kind of the one that was represented in that video. And that's the one where um, the sex, sex drive between the husband and wife are different. Okay, so we'll start a little by sharing our story and then um, share some things that have helped us. So I grew up in a Christian home and came um, to a saving faith in Jesus when I was nine. My parents modeled love and affection towards each other and taught me that sex was God's gift and his design for couples to enjoy in marriage. Um, I never got the official sex talk, but in their defense, they probably felt that I had learned all I needed um, after I walked in on them when I was six. So, (laughs) took care of that. So, uh, I belonged to Jesus, um, and I knew I belonged to Jesus, but I had a rebellious heart. And I spent the first 22 years of my life pursuing the things of the world, especially in my college years where um, my poor choices led to inappropriate relationships and a lot of heartache, guilt, and shame. But God, in his mercy, kept pursuing me through it all and turned my rebellious heart back to him. He put a new desire in my heart um, to walk with him. And um, it still blows my mind, and I'm still overwhelmed that um, when I know all the things that I've done, but that God has declared me blameless because of what Christ has done on the cross for me. And that um, 
through the years, I have battled um, thoughts of, you know, guilt and shame. But I was able to fight that battle with God's truth, that I'm forgiven, that I'm a precious daughter of the King. And, um, and he delights in me and loves me with unfailing love. And by his grace, I was able to go into marriage experiencing freedom in the area of sex. So um, we just want to be, you to be encouraged that uh, we have a God who rescues, redeems, heals, and restores. And he's able to do much more than you can ever think or imagine. So I also placed my faith uh, in Jesus at an early age, and I remained a virgin until we married. I had plenty of sexual promiscuity, especially in high school. Um, I learned about sex primarily from the culture and, uh, you know, kids around me. I mean, in my church, we were taught um, to stay away from sex because, you know, only bad things happen, uh, you know, in sex until you get married. So as a firstborn, I complied with that. Um, but, man, it was a daily struggle against hormones that often resulted in masturbation. And I couldn't wait to have, you know, legal sex. But I was not really looking to get married until I met Linda in 1982. And after she beat me in a free-throw shooting contest, I knew that she was the one. So um, after 18 months, uh, we married. So this kicked off phase one in our sex drive story. Now, to be honest with you, uh, this talk started on a cocktail napkin in a restaurant. We started drawing this napkin, on this napkin a picture of our journey, um, which you're going to now see in this chart. So we know it's a little corny, but you know, sometimes a picture really helps convey a story. Okay, so the pink line depicts my sex drive, and the blue line is Robert's. So um, during phase one, we had a very robust sex life, um, and our desires were in sync. And as young marrieds, we were in a church where sex was never really talked about, so our own experiences were the only thing we had to go by. And it really didn't dawn on us that couples, you know, struggled in this area. But then in 2008, we entered phase two. (laughs) And this is when menopause hit, and I wasn't sure what was going on. Um, I couldn't sleep, think. I had no energy, and my sex drive just totally disappeared. I didn't know how to handle it. I I didn't know what was going on. I didn't want to hurt Robert, so I didn't know how to talk to him. So I just started um, avoiding things that might trigger his desire, you know, like undressing in front of him. So does not take much, (laughs) right? So, you know, I started working with my doctor to find different um, natural remedies, but um, nothing seemed to be helping. And then um, it felt like everything came crashing down when my dad suddenly died of a heart attack. Um, And, you know, I was his only daughter. We shared the same birthday. And um, I was very close to him, and I just found myself overwhelmed with grief while trying to deal with all the menopause stuff. So during this time, Linda was sometimes avoiding me, uh, you know, which made her feel bad, and I didn't really know why. Um, And neither did she, frankly. So we were were not quite sure what to do, so I just started adjusting my expectations. Um, While I was frustrated by that, I knew that she was really grieving the loss of her dad, um, and I hoped she would just snap out of it. So I hit 50 uh, during this phase and seemed to be uh, seeing the effects of midlife, which included a decrease in my sex drive. So, I mean, in some respects, that was a blessing because it helped me lower my expectations uh, regarding frequency. But during this phase, uh, we were not in a desert. I mean, there were plenty of times of passion, just not the frequency that we had once enjoyed. You know, for example, on 
our 25th anniversary. Um, we had a fun time in car number 23 on the mile-long Whistler gondola. Oh, gosh. I, I, I had no idea that that picture would ever be shown in public at, with this talk when we took that. So um, we did show a lot of restraint when we skipped car 22, which was the glass bottom car. <laughs> Hey, uh, we did have a guy come up to us after this talk one time and said, well, how long is the ride? So just in case you're wondering, it was 11 minutes. So we had plenty of time for sightseeing too, all right? Okay. Okay, a couple of things. Oh, gosh. Okay. A couple of things happened in 2010 that led us to phase three. Um, first, I decided to try um, a hormone replacement therapy. And after trying a few options, found a combination that did great for my energy and for my sex drive. You can see by the um, chart that I received treatments um, every few months. Um, and every time I do, it impacts my sex drive greatly. So, <laughs> second, um, and just as important, if not more important, was I started attending a Bible study program here called Quip Disciple, and I started learning how to have quiet time, what it really looked like to be in God's Word, and what it meant to um, start memorizing and journaling and um, just learning how to meditate on God's Word, um, which helped me grow in my dependence on God. And that became really critical for me because when our sex drives flipped and there were occasions when Robert didn't seem to be, um, to desire me, I would start to believe the lies and um, that I was undesirable and question my body image. But um, because of my time in God's word and his truth, I had the tools to fight against the lies and was reminded that God tells me um, his truth says that I'm made in his image and that he loves me. So, hey, I can tell you that today, I mean, our sex life is better than ever. I mean, there are times that we're not as in sync as we once were, you know, because we've each had seasons where we've been on the high side or the low side. I mean, we really better understand each other and have compassion uh, for each other. So there are four things that we learned through this journey um, that were, these were really helpful to us. We've shared them with others and it's been helpful to them. And so um, what we'd like to do is just share these four things with you quickly. We think whether you're 27, 47, or 67, we think that these things can be uh, really helpful. So the first one is uh, communicate. So we had to learn how to talk about this, and so must you. And I, I totally get how difficult that that can be for many of you in this room. Um, but this is important. And I just want you to tell you this is really important. If you're personally struggling in the area of sex, you just have to tell your spouse. Even if you do not know what is happening, which was often our case, it will be helpful to let your spouse into your struggle. Um, by not discussing it, you just open the door to misunderstandings uh, between you. <clears throat> and you actually deny um, your spouse the opportunity to love you um, if you keep it to yourself. I mean, Galatians 6.2 tells us to carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. So um, when Robert would want to talk about this topic, you know, I would often take things that he would say personally. Um, and so that was on me, and I... 
uh, my insecurities and things like that. So um, I had to learn to um, go into it with an open mind and, um, and listen compassionately and um, try to hear his point of view. And a lot of times when we ended up talking about it, it would surprise both of us that we were both reluctant to talk about it, but yet we were both thinking the same thing. And we would, it would come out when we learned how to start talking about it to each other. So, and each time we talked about it a little more and a little more that it just became easier and easier and more natural. We also learned how that is awkward as it is, very awkward. It's important to communicate the things that you like sexually. That was really hard for me. Um, I had a hard time. I felt very selfish um, doing that. But Robert just told me, you know, helped me understand that it was important to him to serve me and please me. And so it, it was not being selfish. And um, in marriage where both spouses are focused on serving each other, this is actually a great way to to learn to love each other. Absolutely. So uh, the second point is don't pressure. Okay, so this is primarily for the spouse, uh, you know, on the high side. Um, It has the higher sex drive. So when Linda hit menopause and her desire changed dramatically, I I quickly learned that pressuring her for sex was not a good idea. I mean, I tried to ask nicely, you know, I'd say things like, hey, feeling frisky today? Um, But that would often make her feel guilty and just put a damper, you know, on the evening. And here's another pro tip. Um, for you guys, if, if your spouse is crying and you're trying to comfort her, don't try to turn that in to a sexual encounter, okay? <laughs> so we need to, if you're, the, if you're the, um, the, the spouse in this position, you really need to look at, at Philippians 2. Um, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking um, to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. So we are called to mutually serve each other. So pressuring your spouse to meet your needs is not serving them. Uh, We have found that a better way is to go back to number one and discuss this in a way that honors your spouse. Okay, so there are times, you know, when I found myself being frustrated and things, and um, I've learned that expressing those frustrations to the Lord and asking him to change my heart Allowing him to work in me made a huge difference. I found that my focus would change away from my own needs and want to serve um, Robert. So one of the things that had helped me a lot was trying to see the situation through Robert's eyes. So think about for a moment um, about what you would do if your sex drives flipped and if you became the one on the low side. Would you be encouraged if your spouse related to you the way that you're relating to them right now? Um, And if not, what can you do to change that? So point number three is don't withhold. Okay, so this is primarily for the spouse with the lower drive. This is the spouse that is in the position of power. I mean, when, when my desire is lower, I control the frequency with which we have sex. So, what does Scripture tell us about how a Christian in power is supposed to act um, towards those under them? So, in Mark 10, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. But not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. So, I am to serve if I'm in a position of power, and that includes my spouse. Remember, your spouse does not have another sexual outlet. You are it. 
Um, we've seen some spouses just do not understand how much of a physical need sex can be for their spouse. Um, so this is a little bit of a long passage, but I want to read 1 Corinthians 7 where Paul counseled couples in Corinth. And he said, hey, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. And after that, you should come together so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So when we marry, we give our bodies as a gift to our spouse. And it's really important that we don't take that gift back. Even when the demands of life get hard, you might be worn out from a day at work or caring for elderly parents, which is our season right now. Um, I know the times when I was exhausted from nursing babies and toddlers and the teenage years, uh, the crazy teenage years, and the menopause stuff, you know, sex sex was the last thing on my mind, Um, but that's pretty much where sex starts. So scripture has really helped to change my thinking. When the negative thoughts like, oh, gosh, I'm not in the mood, don't want to have sex, too tired, come into my mind, I try to apply 2 Corinthians 10.5. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. When I surrender that thought to God, He replaced it with a desire to serve my spouse. I had to choose to change my attitude and give myself unselfishly and allow God to work change. Then I was able to focus um, on ways to make sex work, which means, you know, sometimes you have to get creative. And um, For example, we had a season where we had to schedule a time for sex and, you know, and we had to be, you know, working satisfied with quickies every now and then, like the gondola. And then um, when, um, and, and sometimes intercourse is not an option, but there are plenty of other ways to pleasure your spouse. Yeah. You can't think of any. Ask your re-engaged leaders. They can give you some ideas. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so point number four is share. Okay. So if you're struggling it's wise to bring others into the conversation. So, I mean, this may be difficult. I mean, look, let's face it, it's hard enough to share with your spouse. Uh, if we're suggesting, hey, maybe you should bring others into it, I mean, that's a difficult thing to do. Man, if, if you're struggling and, and you guys need to, to ask someone, um, you need to do that. At Watermark, the first place we would do that is in our small groups. Uh, not with the whole group. The guys would get with the guys, the gals would get with the gals, and we would talk through uh, those things. Let them be the ones to help you decide the next steps you take. And if you're not in a small group, um, or you're in a church that doesn't have small groups, you know, we highly recommend that you find a place where you can talk about it. And your re-engage group might be an appropriate place to do that. I mean, be reminded of Proverbs 15:22. plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So it's going to be helpful to have others around you because, I mean, this topic can be very complicated. Yeah, so our sexual desire can be affected in many ways. Sometimes there's physical pain involved with it, um, and that needs to be shared with the doctor. It could also be um, medical issues, so the next step might be to consult a medical professional, kind of like I did um, for hormone replacement. That worked 
great for me. Uh, made a huge difference. Uh, it could also be something spiritual. Because our spiritual life is so closely tied to our sex life. You have to ask yourself, you know, are you trusting the Lord with everything, including your sex life? Are you, um, as you share this struggle with your group, ask them if they see any areas in your life where you could be struggling to submit and trust the Lord with it. And um, the other thing is, um, if sexual abuse is a part of your story, um, we have ministries here that can help, and your leaders can help you, point you to that. And we just don't want you to suffer in silence, because there is hope for that and healing for that. Um, And also, if you are involved in porn, we're begging you to seek help, because it's going to impact your marriage greatly. All right, so just summarize, and we're going we're gonna to land the plane here, but the, the talk we've talked about communicate, don't pressure, don't withhold, and share. And we don't like too many don'ts in this world, so we just say communicate, serve, and share. Um, I want to be crystal clear about one thing, man. You have got to leave tonight with the desire to better serve your spouse in this area. You know, guys, if all you heard tonight is that your wife should not withhold sex, you have missed the point. And gals, if all you heard tonight is your wife should not withhold sex, um, I mean, ladies, if all you heard is that your husband should stop pressuring you for sex, you missed the point, okay? We are to figure out how to serve one another. We must come to that place. And, you know, understand if you make changes um, based on what you heard tonight, man, it may not have an immediate um, effect. And that's why you need a group of people around you just encouraging you through this journey. So, man, God has given us an incredible gift. I mean, he dedicated an entire book of the Bible, uh, the Song of Solomon, to, to, um, to this topic. So it's an incredible gift that he wants us to enjoy. You can also visit um, the Reengage uh, website to find some helpful resources, um, marriagehelp.org um, slash sexual intimacy. And one of the resources um, mentioned on the site is a book called Intimate Issues by Linda Dillow and Elaine Pentis. Um, it's a handbook. To, it's for women, and it's a handbook to help you transform your sexual attitudes and enhance your sexual relationship. I've led um, a group of ladies through this book, and I highly, highly recommend it. And so lastly, we just recognize in a crowd of this size, um, you know, there's bound to be some couples really struggling in their relationship. And and something like, you know, sex is the farthest thing from your mind. There's the thought of it as a world away. So please don't feel any pressure to leave here tonight and have sex or act like you've got it all together in this area. We just simply encourage you um, to get started sharing with each other and talking about it. And if you had, need any help navigating what, what this would look like, you know, in all seriousness, get with your leaders, you know, and, and talk through that. So thank you very much for letting us share tonight on a difficult topic. Thank you.